Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Here's this week's podcast. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, good morning, happy Easter. It's good to see you. We celebrate a risen Savior. I am so glad you're here today. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. And I hope you got your Easter egg hunt going on. I asked some people this morning, have you done your Easter eggs yet? And a couple people said they're still in the refrigerator. So I didn't even eat eggs this morning. So uh, we are glad that you're here. If you've got your Bibles, if you'll turn to Mark 16, we're going to finish our study in the book of Mark and how appropriate that we land in this chapter and we talk about the resurrection of Jesus. He is alive. He's alive. And as the old song says, you ask me now how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. I hope he lives within your heart today. Uh, And if not, you'll have an opportunity to ask the risen Savior to be a part of your life at the end of our uh, service together today. Mark chapter 16, we're going to be talking about something very essential to your Christian faith. I was thinking about, uh, man, I'm excited. Wow, I mean, last Easter, we couldn't do this. At least not legally or officially, I guess. So it is good to see you. This is, even though I feel like I've been one of the pastors here for about five years, this is like the first Easter service I've got to do this with y'all. So I'm like on cloud nine. So praise the Lord. Uh, you know, and all this time going through what we've been through the last 14 months or so, we've heard about essential things. This morning, what we've been singing about, what we're going to read about, is the most essential part of the Christian faith. Because if Jesus did not rise from the dead, we're wasting our time. We're wasting our time. I mean, our faith is just futile. So we're going to talk about that this morning, about uh, what we should do and then what our response should be. So let's start together in Mark chapter 16. It says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Now, let me stop. I I have been wrestling with with, uh, something for the last several weeks to share with you all. I didn't want to confuse anybody, but I also wanted to set the record straight on perhaps a myth that we believe, even in the church, about the crucifixion and the resurrection. And uh, in the next Sunday night, we're going to be talking about other myths that we say a lot in the church that aren't necessarily true. And one of the things that I've been wrestling with for a long time, and I did research some time ago to kind of set my mind and heart at ease, is we know that Jesus said over and over and over again, if you, if you tear down this temple in three days, it will rise again, right? right? Well, I've been doing the math. If he was crucified on Friday and he rose on Sunday, that's not three days. I don't know if that's a mess with you or not, but some of you who are analytical, I want to give you some power for your faith today because especially if you're a young person, high school, junior high, college student, that's how the world starts tearing you down. 
is they talk about the myths that we have kind of talked about in the church and the traditions. And we talked about that a few weeks ago about traditions aren't necessarily bad. They're bad if they're not accurate. And so I know that we celebrate Good Friday, the crucifixion, that's great. And Sunday we talk about uh, the resurrection. And I believe that Jesus did rise on Sunday. The Bible tells us that. But there's a couple of key words in this very first couple of verses that if you don't pay attention, you'll miss. And I've read this, this chapter over and over and over. And really until a couple of years ago when I read it closely, it really caught me. And here it is. Let me just point it out to you. It says, when the Sabbath was over. Which Sabbath? Some of you Bible scholars will know there were a couple of Sabbaths. There was a weekly Sabbath. And then seven times a year, there was a special Sabbath. So when you read that, you should go, which Sabbath? I'm going to tell you in just a second what we're talking about. But then it also says that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices. Some translations I'm reading from, I think this is a New American Standard. Some other translations say it a little bit clearer that they bought spices first because they had to buy them before they could brought them before they could bring them they had to buy them bought and brought are two different things that happened two different events that happened we know from our study of mark because we've been going through this for several weeks that mark was what mark was just to the point just the facts jack so he's just telling you they bought them and they brought them he didn't go into details so i'm kind of going through the details with you a little bit that he bought these ladies bought these spices to anoint jesus's body they purchased these spices because the jews did not embalm bodies so after a day and a half, they wanted to cover the stench. So they had these spices, and then the three women brought the spices to anoint Jesus' body, and they're headed to the tomb we know on a Sunday, and it's Sunday morning when they realize Jesus is alive. So he's already resurrected. We celebrated on Sunday morning, but it happened before dawn, because the Bible says in those verses that they came when the sun had risen. The sun is coming up, and these ladies head to the tomb. And by the way, ladies in that time, we've talked about this a little bit over our study, that ladies in that time, their, uh, their testimony would not have been uh, accepted in court because they were considered low class. So the early church, just to kind of give you some more evidence that Jesus is alive and the tomb is empty, the early church would never have perpetuated this story were it not true. Because it would never held up in a court of law because women were a lower class in that day. Thankfully, times have changed. So I want you to understand the Bible chronology here and what's going on. And I'm not, uh, I won't take a lot of time, and you don't have to go back to these verses. And if you want copies of my notes later, I'll give these to you. By the way, if you're visiting, we're so glad you're here. I don't normally get into chronological details, but today this is very important what we're talking about. So I want to I share this with you. Uh, In Mark chapter 14, for example, it tells us the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. So the chief priest and the scribes were plotting against Jesus, as we know, the previous weekend, Monday, Tuesday, they're plotting against Jesus. Things are getting serious as it approaches the time of the crucifixion. Mark 14 tells us on the first day of the festival... Of unleavened bread is when the, Jesus asked the disciples, Should we go make preparations for the Passover? And they're talking about the Last Supper. Mark 15 says, Very early in the morning. I'm just pointing out some, some chronological facts that the Bible tells us. Mark 15 25 says, It was nine in the morning when Jesus was crucified. 
At noon, darkness came over the land. At three in the afternoon, verse 34 says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. And the Bible also tells us that it was preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. Now, which Sabbath? It was the preparation day before the high Sabbath. How do we know that? Well, if you want to flip over, if you don't believe me, just flip over to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Flip over to John's Gospel, John chapter 20. And John tells us, and what's so great about having the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is when you have a guy like Mark who just gives you the facts, if you want to add the details, you can go look at Matthew or Luke or John. And here's what John tells us. John 20, verse 1 says, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb while it was still dark. So the sun is coming up, but it's still dark. She saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So, the Sabbath was over. One of the Sabbaths was Saturday. We celebrate the Lord's Day. Sunday is when we have our worship in modern day culture. But we know that Jesus said this when he was asked, what's going to happen to you? When are you going to come back? His answer was always this. And Matthew tells us this in Matthew 12. Jesus would say, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will it be with the Son of Man three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So the Gospels are clear that Jesus died. And Jesus was resurrected. The Gospels are clear. His body was also hurriedly placed in the tomb on the afternoon. John also tells us why did they hurriedly place it in the tomb? Because the sundown was coming and Sabbath was beginning. Now before I scare you away, uh, as you know, I'm a visual learner. So I think we have a little graphic. If the guys can kind of throw it up on the screen there, I will show you what we're talking about uh, this morning. Have we got that? We're looking... Okay, no, we don't have it. I'll, I'll send it to you on the Facebook page. You can map out the week, and if you back up, and because of our modern-day calendar, great scientists who are smarter than me can look at our calendar, our modern-day calendar, where we talk about days and nights, and we count the day and night, you know, as in when we get up, some of us 6 a.m., okay, I'm starting the day. Some of you, okay, 10 a.m., yeah, you know who you are, starting the day. All right, and then the evening... That's the way we count time. That's not how they counted time in the first century. They counted time from sundown to sundown. That was, that was one day. In the first century, that's how they counted time, from sunset to sunset. So we've got to realize that our version of time in 2021 is not the version of time they had in the first century. Jesus, God didn't set it up to, uh, to count that way. That's a humanly devised meth- method of counting time. Matter of fact, Genesis 1-5 tells us this because it says quite plainly that God counts the day as beginning with the evening, the night portion, and ending at the next evening at creation. It says the evening, nighttime, and then the morning, daylight, were the first day, and then God repeats that formula for six days of creation. So why is all this important? It's important because most people have no idea that there's two kinds of Sabbath. The normal weekly Sabbath that falls on the seventh day of the week which is Saturday, in that culture we call Sunday the Lord's Day. And there's seven annual Sabbaths. If you're a Bible scholar and you really want to go back and read this, you can read the book of Leviticus. It's mentioned through various places in the Bible about these Sabbaths that are so important. And we know in John chapter 19 that the Sabbath was a high day. It differentiated between the other Sabbaths that we're talking about. Say, Jack, why in the world is all that important? It's important because you need to know the Bible. 
If there's ever a day and world that we've lived in where the Bible and Scripture and your faith is going to be attacked, it's going to be attacked now. And if you don't know, and somebody comes to you and says, Jesus wasn't really crucified on Friday, and you stand strong and go, well, yes, he was, yes, he was, yes, he was, you and I are going to look like we don't know fact. That's when we celebrate Good Friday. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus probably was most likely crucified. If you take the calendar and you backtrack all the way to Jesus' time, he probably was crucified on a Wednesday. Does that freak any of you out? It doesn't freak me out. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives in my heart. That doesn't shatter my faith. So he probably was crucified on a Wednesday. The next day was the Sabbath, the high Sabbath. So no work happened on that. The next day, Thursday, is when they started to get the spices and get ready to go. And then Friday was there, and then we know that Saturday was the weekly Sabbath. That's important to know. Because they get there, and they go there, Mark chapter 16, let's go back. And they arrive at the tomb very early. And when they said to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? They've forgotten that this stone is there. All they know is they're going to do the spices. Have you ever, some of you have, you've lost a loved one. Somebody who's dear to you. And mentally, you're just not all there. You start doing things just because it's something to do. But mentally, you're not even thinking. You ever been there? I've been there. That's what these ladies are doing. They're like, we've got to go anoint the body. They're not even thinking about, well, how are we going to move that stone? Maybe they were thinking. Maybe they were moving by faith, just believing the stone was going to be out of the way. Maybe they were believing Jesus was going to be resurrected. I don't know. But they head to the tomb, and when they get there, if you read Matthew's account, we know uh, Mark tells us there was a young man sitting there. Matthew tells us, interprets it as an angel was sitting there. I think Matthew's account also tells us that when the angel appeared and an earthquake shook and the stone rolled away, that the guards were so freaked out. Hello, freaked out is an understatement. I'd be freaked out if the earth shook and an angel came down and rolled this stone away. I'd be saying, see, you don't want to be. I'd be gone. I mean, I'd be leaving town. So that's probably what happened. They were freaked out. They went away. And then here these ladies are coming up to the tomb. And they see this young man. Mark calls him a young man. Sitting on the right. Wearing a white robe. And my translation says they were amazed. Probably not a great translation of it. More, more it probably would be they were so alarmed. They were stunned. They were alarmed. You ever been alarmed? Friend of mine, I got to tell you this story this morning because I was thinking about Easter and this fits perfect. I got to tell you this story. My friend of mine told me this story that happened in his neighborhood. His woman, this woman in their neighborhood, a woman in their neighborhood, looked out the window, not his woman, but another woman. <laughs> she looked out of her window in her neighborhood in the backyard and her German shepherd had gotten hold of the neighbor's pet rabbit. And was shaking it in its teeth back and forth. Well, she starts freaking out because she had been kind of quarreling with these neighbors. And she's thinking, this is not going to be good. Not going to be good. So she grabbed a broom. She ran outside. She starts swinging it at the dog. The dog finally drops the rabbit, lets it go. She picks up the rabbit with the broom. She takes it inside. She's thinking, what are they going to think? What am I going to do? She takes the broom. She dusts it off. She puts the rabbit in the bathtub. She's like, I'm going to wash this rabbit. I'm going to clean this rabbit. 
She puts the lifeless body into the bathtub. She turns on the shower. She's rinsing this rabbit clean. She rolls it over. She rinses the other rabbit clean, rinses the other side. Now she has a plan. Okay, she's like, what do I do now? She grabs a hair dryer. She, I'm not making this up. She dries off the rabbit. She cleans the rabbit up. She dresses him up, tries to make him look pretty good, gets out an old brush. She's cleaning up this rabbit and everything. Then when the neighbor isn't looking, she takes the rabbit. She hops over the fence. She sets the rabbit up in the cage in the neighbor's yard, and she goes back to her house. No way was she going to take blame for this. About an hour later, she hears screams coming from her neighbor's yard. She runs outside pretending like she doesn't know what's going on and her neighbor comes running to the fence. All the blood has drained out of her neighbor's face and her neighbor says, Our rabbit! Our rabbit! Two weeks ago he died and he's come back to life! (laughs) Oh my goodness. Talk about being alarmed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You bury the family pet and the next thing you know he's alive sitting back there Hey! I tell you what, I would be alarmed too if I was one of those people that were there that saw Jesus crucified on a cross. Him shout out, the world grow dark. Him shout out, it's finished. His lifeless body be there. He's wrapped up, he's taken to the tomb. I'm on my journey there to put spices on him. And I see an angel, and he's not there. Friends, if that doesn't wake us up, if that doesn't wake me up, I need to really find out if I've got a relationship, a personal relationship with the Savior of the world. Listen, you may be here today. You might be a member of Crossroads. You might be a visitor. I want you to know something about this church and about Jesus. This is not religion that we're talking about. See, I grew up with that. There's a great big difference between religion and a relationship. And of all the religions out there, the religions are trying to get us to be able to reach God. Can we reach God? Can we reach God? The only thing that sets Christianity apart from everything else is we can't reach God. So you know what he did? He came down to earth to reach us through Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Amen. It's amazing. So these ladies are alarmed. Let's keep reading and see what happens. This Angel says to them, don't be, don't be amazed. Don't be alarmed. You're, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, he, here's the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples. And Peter, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he said to you. You guys remember that phrase from the other night? Just as he said to you. Love that. And they went out, verse 8, they fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment. That's a great translation. Had gripped them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. You know, you think about the tomb this morning. I just want to encourage you to inject Invest all your emotions to this invitation that this angel is giving these ladies. An invitation. Come on in. See for yourself. This room is empty. The tomb is empty. To observe the impossible. To settle your greatest fears. What do we see? An empty tomb. It was borrowed. 
It was cut out of a rock. It was never used before. This wave of of emotions that these ladies feel, astonishment, trembling, fear, victory, bewilderment, sorrow, hesitation. What comes next? Well, what comes next is they were told to go out and share, and historians want to debate this. And again, this is one of those things that we get into that we debate and we nitpick about, and the reality is... Let's get to the root of the matter. But some historians debate whether the rest of these verses in Mark 9 through 16 were added later because they weren't in some of the original texts. You may go, Jack, that's going over my head. I really don't care. You know what? I really don't care either because the good news is we have Matthew and we have Luke and we have John. So let's flip over and see what Matthew says. If those verses aren't quite as up to date as some historians would have us believe, let's look at Matthew 28 and let's pick up the story at verse 8. Matthew 28, 8 says this. The ladies departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to report it to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they shall see me. Now while they were on their way, behold, some of the guard came into the city. They reported to the chief priest all that had happened. And when they assembled with the elders and counseled together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. And they said, you're to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. Just one conspiracy. And friends, the conspiracies continue all the way down to 2021. If this should come to the governor's ears, verse 14, we'll win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and they did as they'd been instructed in this story was widely spread among the Jews, and it is to this day. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had designated. Jesus was going to meet them there. Verse 17, they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were still doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. So a couple of questions this morning to ask you, and we'll be done. Here's the first one. How do we know that Jesus is alive? How do we know? Here's the first thing. These won't be on the screen, but here's the first one. The first thing is this, the empty tomb, as I said, is an essential part of the resurrection account. Think about it with me for a minute. If Jesus' body had been recovered, then Christianity would be proved to be a farce. So if you were a soldier, a centurion, somebody in the, in the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious rulers who killed Jesus at that time, don't you think they'd be working very hard to produce a body? Because that's all they would have to do to discount everything about Christianity. It didn't happen. And not only the conspiracy of paying the guys off, go tell people that the disciples stole his body. If you flip back in Matthew 27, they had another conspiracy. They went to Pilate, the chief priest and the Pharisees, the one day, the next day after preparation day. And they went to him and they said, hey, we're hearing this guy say, the deceiver saying that he might rise again in three days. So can you do us a favor? Will you give the order that the tomb can be secure? Because we don't want the disciples to come steal the body. So they told everybody the disciples stole the body. And yet they had already gone to Pilate. That was one of the reasons they had guards outside the body. The conspiracies were happening all over the place. 
So we know that the tomb was empty. And we know Jesus is alive because the tomb is empty. The second thing, reason we know that Jesus is alive is because he appeared to a lot of people. We read in those verses, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to her. She told people, guess what? They didn't believe her. Jesus appeared to some of the disciples. Guess what? They told people. People didn't believe them. Jesus appeared to all 11 of the disciples while he was eating. And he gave them a command. And we're going to look at that part in just a minute. And they told people. And people didn't believe it. Jesus also appeared to a lot of other people and transformed people. That's another reason to believe the tomb is empty. The transformation of people. I stand here today, you guys, as a fact that Jesus is alive because transformation has happened in me. And if you're a child of God, then you're a part of the evidence also. Peter's the first person mentioned in Paul's list of witnesses that his life was changed. Think about the two disciples that were on the Emmaus Road on that Easter Sunday that Jesus ran into. All the disciples that Jesus appeared to. I mean, there's so many appearances. Do a Google study and you'll find out all kinds of appearances of Jesus. There's an account of Jesus appearing to the 11 disciples in Galilee that we just read about. There's another occasion where Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. Paul tells us about that in 1 Corinthians. Somebody said this, somebody Claimed that maybe that was a hallucination. Lee Strobel says it this way. He said, hallucinations are an individual event. If 500 people have the same hallucination, that's a bigger miracle than the resurrection. I love that. He appeared to James, the half-brother, his half-brother. Appeared to all the disciples. One of the people that we might... Think of immediately when we think about how Jesus appeared and transformed lives as Jesus appeared on the road to Damascus to a guy who persecuted the church, who slaughtered and killed Christians, and he appeared in the blinding light, and, and Saul said, who are you, who are you? And he said, this is Jesus, and Paul's life, Saul, now Paul's life was converted, and most of the New Testament epistles and letters are the letters that he wrote. Because his life was transformed. Numerous, numerous references and descriptions of Jesus' resurrection we can find in Paul's life. So here's the bigger question. As we kind of get to the heart of the matter and I wrap up this morning. Knowing all that, what do you think? How do you respond? How should you and I respond to what Jesus did on the cross? And not just the cross, but the resurrection. How do we respond? How do we partner with the king of the universe? Well, we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Actually, we have to understand this. Here's the first thing. We've got to understand to make disciples, we have to be a disciple. Jesus' command that he gives, the last thing he says before he ascends to heaven, Thursday night when we talked about the Last Supper, we talked about one of the last things that Jesus said before he was crucified was, do this in remembrance of me. Last things people say are usually important. Now the last thing he says before ascending to heaven is, go into all the world, preach the gospel, share the good news of Jesus Christ, of me. But to do that, my friends, you have to be a disciple. You can't replicate what you aren't. You know, some of you know, and you're much more gifted at it than me. I see some of you out here, I'm trying to get into gardening. You know what I figured out? I'm not smart, but I figured out if you want an apple tree, you plant apple seeds. Because that's what replicates apple trees. And what replicates disciples are disciples. 
And that's what God's called us to do. That's our role. If you know Jesus, that is my primary responsibility. More so, dare I say it, than being one of the pastors here. If I'm not discipling people and sharing the love of Jesus with people, then I'm basically getting paid to do what I do. And the rest of you are supposed to be good for nothing. Because I get paid to be good. Okay, that went over your head. Sorry. (laughs) Kind of early. You're thinking about chocolate Easter eggs. That's all right. But that's my role. That's your role as a disciple. But you can't replicate it if you're not that. So here's the question. Three questions I asked this morning and we're done. Here's the first one. Are you a disciple of Jesus? See, I like using that word. Because we say, are you a Christian? But actually in the Bible, Christian is a negative word. When people said they're a Christian, it was a derogatory term because they were following this deceiver and this magician. And so they would call them little Christ or Christian. And now in 2021 in America, in the buckle of the Bible belt in Five Forks, Greer, Simpsonville, Malden, Woodruff. If you ask the average person, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, man, I'm a Christian. I, I know about God. You know, I might even go to church. That's not the question. The question is, are you a disciple? Am I a disciple? Am I following Jesus? Do I have a daily personal relationship with Jesus? If you don't, then this morning I want to invite you to have that kind of relationship. Some of you maybe are thinking, man, this is the first time I've been at church in weeks. You know what? That's okay. Hallelujah. You're here. Some of you may be thinking, man, I've been here every week, but I don't even know if I'm a disciple. Hallelujah, you're here. No guilt. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So if you're experiencing any kind of mental condemnation right now, I want to tell you who that's from, and it's not Jesus. His name is D-E-V-I-L. As that little girl used to say. Let me talk about the devil. Take off the D, he's evil. Take off the E, he's vile. Take off the V, he's ill. That's what he is. Take off the I and I'll tell him where he can go. Okay, that's too far. That's too far. That's too far. <laughs> Don't teach that to your children in the children's ministry area, okay? Don't do it. Don't do it. But you're not condemned. God loves you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son for you. That whosoever believes in him should have everlasting life. You may have heard in your culture, in your growing up, in your church experience that you've got to do this and do this and do this and do that. You know what? If you've heard that, that is a lie from the pit. That's not true. If you and I could do anything to earn the righteousness of Christ, this cross was a waste of time. So there's nothing you and I can do. I don't try to live holy to get God's acceptance. I want to live holy because I have God's acceptance. It's a big difference. So are you a disciple? And if you're not, just a little bit, I'm going to stand down here with my friend Heath. And we're going to invite you just to come say, you know what? Today I need to become a disciple of Jesus. But here's the second thing that comes from what he's asking. He says to go into all the world and make disciples. So here's the question. Will you go? Will you go? My prayer is that out of this church... I know it's happened long before I was here, and it'll happen long after I'm gone, because we're talking about the Spirit of God doing the work, not a man. But my prayer is, out of this church, God would raise up men and women that would say, I'm going. I don't know where God's telling me to go, but I'm going. Could be Haiti, could be you know India, could be Europe, 
could be Greer, but I'm going. I'm going to be on mission. Right now, while we're gathered in this service, I think he's probably the oldest member of our church. I think. Anybody here older than 86? Don't raise your hand. Oh, we got, there we go. We got some saints back there. Good to see y'all this morning. 86 years old, Pastor Jim Smith is in the mountains of West Virginia this morning, preaching at a church because he felt like God said, go. Didn't have all the answers, still doesn't have all the answers, but God said go and he said, all right, I'm gone. If you're waiting on God to give you all the answers to the questions about what you're supposed to do, my friend, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because that's not living by faith. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And if you study that scripture in Psalms, it basically indicates the light is just enough to see. It's not lighted up, lit up like this room so I can see all the way over there. And the reason why is because I often like to go, God, show me where I'm going and I'll meet you there. I know the shortcuts. And usually my shortcuts turn into detours with flat tires and busted radiators. So will you go? Will you go? Will you do what God is asking you to do? And here's the third question. Some of us, God's not calling us to get on a jet plane or go to another country, but what he's calling every single one of us in this place that say we're a Christian to do is to share our faith with people around us. Say, Jack, that's hard. Yeah, I know it is. It was easy. Everybody do it. You don't have to share your faith the way I share mine. Because you're not me and I'm not you. God's given us all unique personalities. Do you know sometimes sharing your faith is just by your presence, just by being in somebody's presence and not even necessarily saying a word? Words are good. Sometimes it's just being there. You know, if Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead, and I think there's plenty of evidence that he did, then all of us who are his followers are going to do what we sung about this morning, and that is we're going to rise to eternal life on the last day. If Jesus Christ actually conquered death, then there's no news more important for all of us as human beings to hear and to reflect on. You know, when you're scanning that TV, flipping through the channels, Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, bum, 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 breaking. I mean, everything is breaking news, breaking news. The stories that rise above all that breaking news is I've got breaking news for you. Jesus Christ is alive and well. He is on the throne. He's in charge. He stands ready to accept you and me with open arms. Would you pray with me this morning? Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit we begin to speak to our hearts. I know, Lord, you're speaking to mine. I pray for these friends in this room. Lord, I pray that they would ask you those three simple questions this morning. Am I a disciple? Am I willing to go? Am I willing to share? Friends, I'm going to give you just a moment, just right there in the comfort of your seat, just to pray. And ask God those questions. Am I a disciple? And I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, yes, you are. 
may say more. For some of you, you may hear a voice say, no, you're not, but you can be. For some of you in this room, you've known for months, maybe years, that God is calling you out into ministry service. So I don't know what that looks like for you. Might be for a career, might be for vocation, might be by vocation, tri-vocation. It could be you're doing that, you're doing a real job, I don't know. But you know deep in your heart of hearts, God is calling you out to something. Will you obey Him this morning? Or will you kind of stifle and try to squelch that voice? I hope not. For the rest of us in this room, we have the opportunity those of us who know Jesus, who are disciples, to share the best news that the world's ever known. Will you do it? Father, I pray in this moment that you would have your way. Thank you for the wonderful privilege to gather together today and to worship you. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a second, we're going to stand together. And I'm going to invite you. In, invite an invitation is simply this, just responding to what God said to your heart. I'll be standing here. I'm going to ask my friend Heath to come join me. And if you want to come pray or you want to come this morning, if you want to come be a part of our church family, you can do that. Just say, hey, I think I'm supposed to be here. This is where I'm supposed to dig down and plant my uh, roots. And you can come let us know that this morning. If you need to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time or just recommit your life and say, I'm going to be a disciple that he's called me to be, then you come do that this morning. We'll be here waiting. We love you. Let's stand together as we sing our closing hymn together. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.